0: The reading is on page 1, 1151, 1151 in, uh, in the Pew Bibles, and it's from the first letter that Peter wrote. Chapter 1, starting to read at verse 3. Peter chapter 1, verse 3. until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Great, Julia, thank you very much. Where's Jamie? Come on, come and join me. We're going to do, there's going to be a double act this morning. I'm just, I'm the monkey, Jamie's the organ grinder. Um, we're going to speak on uh, our new series for this term. You'll see from the term card, if you have picked one up from the back, we're looking at our core values or our DNA, what it is right at the heart of our being as a church that drives us that shapes us, that uh, says why we do what we do, fulfill our vision, and uh, roll out our strategy. So as we sit, let's pray together. Father, we pray simply that your Spirit would come and ignite in each of us that inexpressible and glorious joy that Peter writes about. As the early Christians knew and lived in that then, we pray that in the 21st century here in Parsons Green, we would live in it now, a joy that we express to you, Father. So help us, teach us, and inspire us, we pray, for Jesus' sake, amen, amen. Jamie's going to speak. On worship and different aspects of worship and uh, how that plays out in our church life. All I want to do is to start by saying that our sermon series this term is to roll out our core values. As a leadership of the PCC, house group leaders, and others, we've been involved in trying to draw out from the heart of our our gathering, if you like, our church, what it is that's valuable to us. And we've uh, arrived, distilled, a sort of A, B, C: adoration, belonging, compassion. Adoration expressed to God, belonging to one another and to God in a sense, and compassion—that which drives us out to care for our community, neighbours, and friends. And so, in January, we're going to look at adoration. February, belonging. March, compassion. And we're going to sort of unpack what that means and what it looks like and how we might live in that, and uh, a sort of. Just demonstrate those values as individuals and as a church in our lives. Adoration, worship. And I want to give just a brief definition and then hand over to to Jamie. To worship is to express worth to someone or something. When you see the guys polishing their smart cars, they're expressing worth. This is valuable. I worship this. We express worship in all sorts of ways. But as Christians, we're called ultimately to express our worth, our value, our esteem, what we appraise of God to him on a regular basis. Worship isn't something that we do, it's something we join in with. Worship is already taking place. The prayer book service, which I took earlier on this morning, has this line, with angels and archangels, and all the company of heaven, we praise and glorify your amazing, your your glorious name evermore by saying, holy, holy, holy. As individuals, we join in with heaven and earth. We join in with the whole of creation. The psalmist talks about the trees of the field clapping their hands. The rivers singing, the mountains shouting, there's a kind of rhythm and a throb to creation that already takes place. It's given expression in the heavenly realms with angels and archangels, holy, holy, holy. And we're invited through Jesus Christ by the Spirit to join in with worship. What does that look like in practical terms? I'm going to hand over to Jamie. your mic
2: <laughs> hello
1: um
2: so yeah we've just heard from tim a little bit about the um kind of the theological aspects of why we worship and uh why we do what we do uh so i'm going to talk a little bit about um how we put this into practice and um i want to start by uh just defining two categories of worship um and i've called them uh, direct and indirect and uh, hopefully that'll make sense um But uh, indirect stuff would be kind of what we do in our uh, everyday lives. So something, stuff like just treating other people well or, you know, living as Jesus would want us to and uh, giving glory to God through our actions. And um, uh, yeah, I define a a direct worship activity as one of the um, the sort of the more obvious things that we might do in church, uh, like sung worship or um, prayer or reading the Bible. And all of these things um, could be uh, an act of worship uh, because they bring glory to God. And we've covered quite a lot about um the sort of indirect stuff, I think, uh last term. So I'm gonna talk mainly today about um uh, this kind of direct stuff, especially music, which is um something I've been uh, involved in most of my life. And um so yeah, I guess why why do we have music in church? Why um uh, you know, why not just spoken words? Um and uh, it might in a way it might seem a bit of a strange thing to come to a, a building on a Sunday morning and uh, sing together. There aren't many situations where you do that in, uh, in normal life so maybe if you went to a football match or a gig um, but um, normal, normally it's, uh, it's not what uh, we do every day and um, I think a lot of it is because music engages with people on, a, um, on more levels than just, um, just words uh, it's kind of a head and a heart thing uh, an example of a song that kind of I think does that very well is um, "10,000 Reasons" is uh, one of the songs that we've done uh, quite recently, um, which has great content and a lot of truth in it. Uh, but also, it's just um, something about just the melody and the uh, the harmonies that speaks to people on a um, kind of on a heart level rather than j- rather than just a head thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, ultimately, we want to bring people into the into the presence of God, and I think that music is. A, um, a great vehicle to do that with. Um, uh, it might be a bit of a kind of a cheesy analogy, but you could compare it to um, standing on like an escalator rather than climbing up the stairs yourself. Um, so it's like letting the sort of musical conveyor belt take you into the presence of God. Um, and I think there's something really powerful about, um, you know, the whole church joining in together um, and singing. Um, and uh, I know that we've uh, when we've had a good time of worship, it's necessarily when somebody comes to me and says oh you know the music was great or you know the, the band is really tight although obviously feel free to say all that stuff um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah um, but um, it's, uh, it's when some, if somebody comes to me and says you know they really felt the presence of God um, and that's you know that's what we were aiming for really um, so um, so what, what are we doing when we actually, what are we actually doing when we worship um, and I think uh, we're kind of giving sort of a visible or audible expression to the joy that we have in God. And as the, um, as the passage said, it's, it's an inexpressible joy. So we can assume that it's never going to be a perfect reflection of, um, of that joy. Um, but we, um, uh, but w- we do our best and, um, different churches might express, uh, their worship in different ways. Uh, some might, uh, sing a lot of hymns, be quite traditional in the, um, uh, using the organ, and some might have no, um, some might have no music at all, uh, some might have a band like us and I guess within that there 's quite a lot of um, variation as well. Uh, it could be very sort of structured, so you could have a, um, a just a set of songs um, and that would be uh, pretty much uh, agreed beforehand and um, quite fixed, or it could be more sort of spontaneous and flowing. I remember um, church I used to go to we um, we had these sort of worship nights where we'd just turn up pretty much um, yeah, a couple of acoustic guitars and maybe a djembe, and uh, there was no plan at all. We just sort of go. Um, and uh, I guess what we want to do is to have and um, combine the best of uh, both of these approaches. So I um, say so hopefully that's that hopefully that's what we're trying to do here. Um, so on a practical level, um, I guess why do we, why do I why do we choose the songs that we choose? Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, although it might appear sometimes we've just kind of rolled out of bed and played the first thing that came to our heads. Um, <laughs> But um <laughs> generally there is a little bit more to it than that. Um so what I try I guess what I try and do when I'm choosing songs is um to go on go on a bit of a journey. So taking um people from uh uh from the songs that are sort of about God to songs to God. So from a sort of um declaratory kind of um uh start into more kind of intimate stuff. So um the might start with maybe a hymn or something like that or a very kind of uh you know song that might describe uh god's greatness um, and move into a more sort of personal kind of um, uh, kind of song which uh, is more about a sort of personal connection to god um, and I kind of see it as being a um an invitation into the presence of God so that's what our worship sessions are, and we know that through Jesus there is now uh, you know there's no separation we are able to come directly to God, and I think um, Tim's going to talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, well, just to give, um, thanks, Jamie, to give some theological undergirding to that. You you probably know, but if you don't, you can read about it in the book of Leviticus, that uh, the people of God would once a year have face-to-face access with him through the great high priest. No one else was allowed to enter behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies, in the temple, or before that, the tabernacle. Because to be in the same space, a, a sinful people in the same space as a holy God, would pronounce immediate death to, to those people or that person. But the priest was the mediator. He would go on behalf of the people, and he would tiptoe with incredible fear, I imagine, and, and uh, apprehension as he tiptoed into the presence of God by the Holy of Holies with the sacrifice which he would make, which would atone for the sin of the people. And it happened on one day of the year, every year, the day of atonement. But as we know from the cross of Christ, when the curtain in the temple that divided the Holy of Holies from the rest of the courts in the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom, it was a massive way beyond our reach so the fact that it was ripped from top to bottom mean it was it was god's initiative we didn't we didn't find our way to god by ripping from the bottom up but from the top down god initiates an opening of the curtain so that we can because of jesus enter into his presence not just one day a year but forever and all time and and that's in effect what uh, Jamie was talking about there. It's it, that's the that's the sort of theological reality that we're looking to to enact, if you like, and to release that sense of being in God's presence. And, and so, if you like, the sense of journey. Just as the pilgrims would journey to Jerusalem, they'd start off by singing songs about God. But as they came near to Jerusalem, the, you know, you began to become a little bit more aware of who we are and what we're doing. And as you come to the temple. And as you come to the Holy of Holies, the holy place where God is thought to reside, where you're not going to be as carefree and sort of liberal in a sense as, as, you know, whatever, uh, as you were making your way to Jerusalem, when you're actually there, there's a sense of, of sort of stillness. There's a sense of sort of you and God. Just, just I was marking down what we sang today. We, we opened today that, that journey, that conveyor belt, that or, or, or sort of escalator that Jamie was talking about. How great Thou art, oh Lord, my God. When I think, oh how You are amazing, You're oh, great. We make this sort of declaratory statement, as Jamie says. But then we finished up with, I'll, I'll give You my heart, by way of response. You, if You are so great and You've called me into Your presence, then my response is to say, yeah, I, I'll give You everything. I'll stand in awe of the one who gave it all. It, it, it becomes a sort of personal, more intimate, if you like. It would be inappropriate, I think, to perhaps to start with that song. It would be a bit of a rush. And so in the three or four songs that Jamie and the band put together, prayerfully, thoughtfully, they're, they're looking to encourage us as pilgrims to journey on the escalator, to be taken to the very presence of God himself, so that we can encounter him and be transformed by him. Cool.
2: uh yeah so um and i want to talk now a little bit about how um our worship ca- can involve more than just singing so um i mean there are a lot of situations in worship where you might see people raising their hands or clapping or um jumping up and down or whatever and you might think oh you know that's a little bit weird um uh, but if you think about it you know we use our um we use our bodies to express ourselves in in normal life all the time you know when we uh, we shake somebody 's hand or uh, give them a hug or uh, if we gesture with our hands and some people do that more than others um, but it ma- so it makes a lot of sense that we we do the same in um when we worship god um, and uh, you know some people are more kind of expressive than others people uh, everybody 's different you know people might react to things in different ways. And some people a bit more reserved and uh uh there's no r- kind of right way to be but um i think the um the problem is sometimes when we might come into a uh, a church situation where um other people um you know they might be uh not really um uh might be a little bit self conscious and people might be worried about um what other everyone else thinks and then it causes you to kind of repress uh, your worship a bit rather than express it um, and equally, you might go into a, uh, a situation where everybody's going crazy and being really expressive and you might just think, oh, well, that's not really me, but uh, I'll just do the same because I want to kind of conform and, you know, uh, do what's, what the dumb thing is. Uh, and there's, you yeah, know, there's always a place to push ourselves and to push ourselves out of our comfort zones and to do things that make us a little bit uncomfortable. But um, ultimately, God wants us to be ourselves. You know, he doesn't want, uh, he doesn't want kind of uh, us to be false or to um, uh, present something that's not real. And um, yeah, I'm gonna have a bit of a chat now with Tim. Uh, he's gonna come up and answer a few questions. Hello, oh, Tim. <laughs> so, um, firstly, what uh, what does it mean to you to um, express yourself in worship? Um, hear me.
3: Uh, well, uh, it's quite a good question, isn't it? Um, uh, God, God is. above me and um, part of worship is to demonstrate that. So going to work, my conversation, how I act, uh, says that God, Jesus is above me. When I come here. I like shouting at the referee when there's a massive injustice on the pitch, uh, but expressing myself and my feelings is uh, very hard, uh, so-called no. Um and it's quite weird to express my love for Christ back in response to how he loved me, uh, and it's a real inner thing, uh, and that's what I think happens here, is a, a real kind of this love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul thing, uh, it's a real expression of internally what's going on
2: But, um, I think that's Brilliant. And um, so, what uh, for you? What would constitute a great worship session, other than you know when Jamie's off sick or something? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Worship session for me is when I can kind of say uh, I don't care how it looks, I don't care what's happening at work. It can be rubbish, and um, God's in charge. And I think that's yeah, that's that's a good worship session. When I've met with him,
2: brilliant. And um, so you're you're involved in the band uh, as we know. And um, has your um, has that changed? You know, has your kind of perception of what worship is changed at all? You know, has that changed the way you worship in any way? um, or a. Uh
3: let me do is 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 maybe think about giving and not just coming here and receiving uh also any any talent <laughs> any speck of talent i have he owns it and mm. if uh, he wants me to use it uh, i'll come under his authority and not under the
2: great thanks tim cool so yeah just finally um i just want to say you know worship ultimately is not about us it's uh, it's about jesus and we want to be in a place where we've kind of we've completely abandoned all our thoughts other than just our worship of god we want to be uh, at a point where ultimately we don't care about what what anybody else thinks all that matters is is jesus and uh, the old, uh, as the old hymn says, we want to be lost in um, wonder, love, and praise.
1: Amen. amen. Amen, amen. It is about Jesus, but I think that was Jamie's first talk in St. Dionysus. Yeah.
2: That's forever. That's I think so, yeah. yeah.
1: Jamie. <laughs> Jamie for vicar. Yeah. To, to stay, I'm going to ask the band to come and join, Jamie. Um, bless you.